Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, everyone. In the 2007 critically acclaimed blockbuster film, animated movie, The Bee Movie, starring Jerry Seinfeld as Barry B. Benson, there was a scene that goes something like this. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh god, Casey. Oh god, oh. Casey. What is that? Oh no! It's a wiper! Triple blade! Triple blade! Jump on! It's your only chance, B! Why does everything have to be so doggone clean? How much do you people need to see? Open your eyes! Stick your head out the window! From NPR News in Washington, I'm... Ladies and gentlemen, some days you are the bug, and some days you are the windshield. And, my God, yesterday... The Cincinnati Reds ran right into that windshield, and the Chicago Cubs laid it on thick. In the words of our good friend, the Zebra, Elliot Rearing, it was a tough one yesterday for the Cincinnati Reds. I am sitting up here, Paul Frischner. We're going to recap it all. We're going to talk a lot about it. We have two hours to do some cathartic release about what happened last night up in the Windy City in Game 2 of the series. Paul Fritchner, and we have our good friend over here, Zach Fries. Zach is a blogger now here at Chatterbox Sports. If you don't know where to find the blog, you can find it at chatterboxsports.com. Click on the tab called The Word. We have some more articles coming out soon. Zach, you've been writing for us for about a month now. Put out some great stuff already. Wanted to bring you in. Wanted to get you on the air. You've already guest starred here yeah. on the show. You were on last week. Uh, but now you're in studio. Great to see you. Great. Thanks for having me. Great to great to be able to fill in for uh, for my good friend Elliot. You know, I know he's probably uh, being tortured right now. Reed Mouse is having a good day, so that's not that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Elliot's stuck in a car with him, but I'm glad to be here with with you guys, Casey, uh, Paul. It's it's an honor, really, sitting in this seat. Honor used lightly. Casey, how are you today, Paul? Um, I've been better. I've been better. Um, last night was rough. Mm. It was rough. It was really rough, Paul. Um, I I don't know how to feel about Stevenson anymore. I don't know how to feel about Kevin Newman anymore. Um, a lot of people are saying DFA. A lot mm. of people are saying DFA, both of those guys. Many people are saying. Okay, so I have a take. I have a take, and I want you to buckle up. I want you to bear with me for this take. I figured today I had to wear my Hamilton shirt. I know Reed's not here. I'm a proud alumni of the broadcast team of the Hamilton Joes. So is Reed Mouse. Uh, but I figured I'd rep my Hamilton pride for today's show. I have a take. The Reds lost last night 20-9. to They were never competitive. They were never in the game. They were never that, – that game last night was a wash from the moment that game started. But – there was a play in the bottom of the first inning. The Reds go down in the, in the top of the first, scoreless. Go to the bottom of the first inning. There's a ground ball to Kevin Newman at second base. Did they score it a hit or an error? They scored it a hit, I believe. I think they scored it a hit, yeah, but it could yeah. have been an error. Yeah. It could have easily it, been an error. It was probably Been a lot game. of that this year in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Been a lot of that. That was a tailor-made double play ball to Kevin Newman. Hear me out. Hear me out, because this is how things go in sports, and you might know where I'm going with this. If he makes that play, a tailor-made double play ball, 
if he makes that play, there's two outs. It's still scoreless. You get a little confidence on yourself if you're Ben Lively. Maybe you get that third out. You move on into the second inning. It changes the entire complexion of the game. Maybe the Cubs still win 20-5. to Maybe that still happens. But from there, the floodgates open and things go south. The Cubs score five runs before the Reds even get... The, the game was over from the start. From the moment that play happened, Stevenson throws a ball into center field. Why he even threw that ball in the first place is beyond me. That's Ugh. a ball you just... You got to know with the jump that the runner gets, you don't even throw that ball to second base and risk anything crazy happening, much less try to even get the out. He did. Ball goes into center field. There was about a five-minute window there where... The Nationals were up two runs, mm -hmm. and the Cubs and the Reds were starting. Things were looking okay. You're thinking, okay, Milwaukee might take another. They might take another loss to the lowly Nationals. Reds might be able to gain another game in the division standings. Might be up two and a half games when the night is done. Boy, oh boy, was that not the case. Um, do you or do you not agree, Zach Fries, that if you make that play? The, the complexion of the game is different. Absolutely. I, I think that was a – I mean, it was it was a hard-hit ball, but if you're a second baseman, if you're a major league second baseman, that's a play you got to make. And like you said, it's probably a tailor-made double play. It did have a very, like, everything that could go wrong went wrong for Ben Lively. And I know he didn't pitch well, obviously. He gives up 13 runs. But, you know, the first inning, it was a, it was a bleeder that led the game off, and then it was – you know, I think he might have had a walk, and then the, the, that ground ball to Newman, and then there was another seeing eye hit, and then it just was like, I think Bellinger's was like, you know, it had eyes. And, yeah, I think it definitely changed the complexion of the game. Like, like you said, we probably still lose, but it just felt like such a deflating, uh, a deflating play. When you have, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say, you know, sit here and say India makes that play or anything, but. You, you know, are an India guy. I am. You an are Indian. on the record as being an I India guy. So when you, we just need to establish here now that you're in studio. I know you talked about it last week when you were on, but we just need to make sure to getting here in studio because there is a clear line of division mm -hmm. down the middle of this Reds fandom right now, where yeah. you're on one side of the fence or the other. He is still on the roster as he had to be because he was on the injured list. But you are an India guy. I'm an India guy. You know, I know most most people, uh, most a lot of Reds fans, a lot of people in this office, you know, or, or maybe that were in this office last week would have traded India to the Guardians for, you know. Bag of peanuts. A bag of peanuts. But, I, no, I, I still think, I don't know, I still think India has a place. Maybe in the offseason. We'll see. But I, I wasn't a big on trading India, you know, at the deadline just to trade, just to get rid of them. But, yeah, I, like you said, though, Paul, I think that was a that was a big play, right? Like, that was – and then the whole Stevenson thing. I'm, well, I'm curious of your, your take on this, Paul. I know the, the lineup dropped, and I'm not a huge lineup. Like, I got to look at – like, like I don't delve too much into the lineup. I don't think it matters, like, most of the time. But yesterday was an interesting lineup. They face a lefty. Where do you stand on – I know there was a lot of, like, analytics, like – I joked when the lineup came out, it was very much a, uh, like, this is what the computer printed out. You know, yeah. this is what this is what the computer printed out. You know, you had Senzel in there, who hits lefties well, and Newman hits lefties well, and obviously Stuart Fairchild was in there. What what do you think about the whole, like... The XL Bell the, experience? The XL Bell and, like, that. It's just, that was a very, you know, was was a little bit of a surprise. I got slight slight surprise, like, oh, you know, Senzel... Newman Fairchild all in this lineup. I know it's a lefty, and we got another lefty today. 
facing another lefty tonight, so we might see something similar. What, what was your I, thoughts? It, it's t- it's it's tough for me to sit here and look at that lineup and the production that the Reds get out of some of their more consistent guys, and to see all of those guys in the lineup at the same time. Like you're going to go to the platoon, and I understand the splits, I understand the numbers, I understand the Excel sheet, I understand the analytics, and I thought you know Elliot made a great a great video on Twitter last night talking about the 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 analytics crowd versus the I played high school ball crowd. Yeah. Which made me crack up, but That's it's funny. true. It is. It's true because it's exactly what everybody was arguing last night where it's like on paper that's the lineup you should be putting out, but then you watch the game with your eyes and you're saying, "Do I really want all three of those guys stacked up in the lineup?" And then defensively Putting Kevin Newman out there at second base where, you know, Trace and Nick Kirby talked about this extensively on Chatterbox Reds last night. The the debate between Kevin Newman and Spencer Steer where Spencer Steer has been as versatile as he's had to be, whether he's played second or, or the outfielder. God knows where that man's going to – that man yeah. that man shows up to the clubhouse <laughs> every day. He looks at that lineup card and he says, let's just, let's just go. Let's tie on those cleats. Let's put that belt on. Let's throw a jersey over my head and let's get out there and play baseball. He has no idea where right. he's going to play every day. And he just goes out there and, and tries to produce the best he can. I'd rather have Spencer Steer out there Me too. Than, than Kevin Newman. I know Nick Kirby was on the other side of that take last night. But I just don't understand how you can justify what they put out there last night consistently. Yeah. Time in and time out when you see the results – over and over, and in, and in a series like this, too, where you have a chance over the next three games going into last night, you have a chance over the next three games to be able to really put a stamp on this series, to be able or, or on, on this season, really. If you go out there and you win three or three of four against the Cubs, I mean, maybe you even sweep the Cubs, they're out of the race. Right. Okay, eight games back with whatever, 58 to play or whatever it is, all right. They're still hanging around. But... All intents and purposes, they're out of the race. Now, you're playing for a series split, probably. Yeah. Probably. I think everybody here realistically listening to this show is going to say that they'd be happy with a split, which tells you that you win one more game up there in Chicago. Hopefully, for Elliot's sake, that game is tonight. I don't want to see Elliot having to get wet. Nobody lo- Nobody likes to get wet more than that guy. He does. He Do you, what, can you he, give us like a – has he always liked that? Has he always been like that? No, uh, this is this is new. Like this whole this whole get wet thing. The the degenerate gambling has been a, a problem for a while. But the the get wet, no. This is like a new. This is a new shtick. We don't do shticks on Wednesdays, but it is this, no shtick Wednesday. It's no shtick Wednesday. But Elliot, this this get wet, get wet thing is it's taken on a life of its own. It's come out of the blue. But the gambling thing has and will always be. You know, he'll always be the. He'll always be looking to for that. He'll always be a like, oh no, I I'd always I'd always joke with Elliot. So so how much do you think? A couple years ago, I would joke with him. I'd be so how much do you think you've lost? He's like there would be times where he's like, ah, probably not that much. I'm probably pretty close to even. I just I just roll my eyes, but you know that's just yeah, that's, that's just, just how that's it goes. Just the zebra. You know? Are are we in the trust tree, Casey? Are we in the trust tree? Yeah. Paul, we are in the trust tree. So last night it was five to one. I took the Reds live, plus four and a half. I was afraid of that. I saw the Reds score that second run. I thought, man, I'm the smartest guy in the room. Got a little busy, checked in a few minutes later. It was 7-2, to two, then it was 10-2. to two. 
I think I watched every pitch after it was 10 to 2. Same. Brutal. I just kept thinking maybe maybe the Reds can make a little run here. And then after it was, you know, 7 or 8 to 2, they David Bell left Ben Lively in that game last night as a sacrificial lamb. He said, "You are going to go out there and throw until your arm falls off." And by God, we are not going to use anybody else out of this bullpen if that means that we're going to have to lose this game 40 to nothing by a major league record. That's what I – but I, I thought that was kind of import, the, important, though, because, you know, you, the last thing you want to do is, like, Lively goes two and then you're stuck covering, you know, however many – It was a smart move. It, they they kind of had to, right? Like, you, you had to at least, like – what, he ended up going four, right? I think he yeah. got you through four. Uh, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it was four, so – I mean, Four. yeah, that was that was kind of like they they almost had, once the game gets that at it once it's ten to two it's like you might as well like there's no sense in like and I know you know the poor guy ends up giving up thirteen but it's like you got this bullpen we know has been taxed enough as is right we we have three of the guys that lead the NL in relief appearances which just blows my mind and then Alex Young I think is one off one behind those guys so it's kind of like. You're already kind of you're already dealing with a taxed bullpen. It was it was kind of a necessity for him to to squeeze everything he could out of Ben Lively. Ben Lively in the last two months, he hadn't had a start uh, since mid June since June 9th. His last six starts hadn't had a start where he'd allowed more than three earned runs. He went since that start on June on June 9th, where he gave up seven runs. That was a loss to the Cardinals. His run total was two two one one three two going into last night hadn't given up more than three home runs in a game all year gave up four last night strikeout totals had always been yeah fairly low he's not a big strikeout guy but last night only two I mean it it seemed like there was he he hasn't earned a win since June 14th he's been on the winning end of a game um two times in that stretch, but he didn't actually get the win. So the Reds have won two of his starts. They won the game at Colorado – or, uh, sorry, home against Colorado, and they won the, the Arizona game here. But mixed in there are losses to Milwaukee, one nothing. Yeah. Classic. You can just pencil that in. Second loss to Milwaukee, third loss to Milwaukee. So three of those games in the last – in it, he pitched four times in July. Three of those starts in July were against the Brewers. You just you want to you want to go out there if you're a pitcher like him, and you're so frustrated because you're not getting any run support. You're not pitching. I mean, you're getting in, in the month of July. He got three runs of support and three starts against the Brewers. Yeah, two of those two of those three starts against the Brewers, the Reds were shut out. That can't happen. Can't. But it's the Brewers. So what else do you expect? It's the Brewers. Ben Lively last night was due for a regression. It was his uh, shortest outing since all the way back on May 15th when he only went two and a third innings. Um, But he threw four innings last night, allowed 13 runs, all earned. I saw it was the first time ever in Major League history that somebody had allowed, what was the stat? 13 earned runs and or four home runs and four home runs in yeah. less than four innings or whatever, yeah. whatever happened last night. It was quite literally the worst start <laughs> yeah. in major league history. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I don't know what the stat was. All you need to know is that last night was quite literally the worst start in major league history. And it came at uh, an, an untimely time for the reds because it was four hours. The, the loss happened, you know, four, five, six hours after the trade deadline, after that window had closed 
And so you had all the keyboard warriors on Twitter uh-huh. screaming about how the Reds didn't make a move for a starter, didn't do anything at the trade trade deadline that was worth anything. The Reds were losing 20 to 9 exactly. last night, whether whether they made a move yesterday or not. Because nobody that they trade for yesterday, it's not like they're going to trade for Justin Verlander and he's going to fly from right. from New York and make a start two hours later. That's not how things work, and, and fans are smart enough to know that. But the optics of not making a move and then immediately getting your doors blown off in one of the most embarrassing fashions probably in a long time for the Reds, especially this year, I don't think they had had a more embarrassing performance this year than last night because nothing went right last night. No. Pitching, defense, maybe hitting. If there's one good thing last night, the bats, ju- the bats against Justin Steele. Yes. And I thought the Cowboy – on Valley Sports made a great point that you could see. I don't know if it was after Stevenson's home run uh, or, or, or what swing it was, but you could see after uh, a home run last night, Justin Steele kind of hung his head, and he was frustrated. He was shaking his head, kind of rolling his eyes. Cowboy goes, you can tell that Justin Steele gained no confidence pitching last night against the Reds. He has not pitched well against the Reds every time he has gone out there this season. And it happened again last night. Yeah, somehow Tyler Stevenson, I mean, he he has his number big time. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, though. Like, obviously, there are the Reds fans on Twitter. I'm not going to play – I'm not going to play Monday morning quarterback and overreact because it's one game, and, of course, the optics look – you know, it looks – the optics look bad, but I'm not going to overreact to one game right after the trade deadline. Look, Ben Lively, say what you want, has been more than serviceable. You ran down the numbers, right? It's the, the biggest problem with him has been, you know, run support. And, you know, um, he's not a big strikeout guy. But, I mean, coming into this season, we didn't think Ben Lively was going to throw a pitch for this team. So, for him to have come in, sure, he had a bad outing, right? He gave up 13 runs. But, you know, we talked about it. The first inning, things – Things kind of fell, broke not his way. And, you know, maybe a ground ball that Kevin Newman plays, things go a little bit differently. The ERA is obviously now over five. It's just, it's just kind of how it goes. It was a, it was a bad, it was a bad night, but I don't want, I don't want it to like, let it, let people, I don't want people to lose sight of just like, all right, it's one, look, it's one game, right? It's one game. I know Trace always says it, Kirby's it's one of 162, right? Baseball's a weird game. And guess what? We get we got B. Will on the mound tonight, who's pitched very well. Um, I'm not I'm not super like it's it, it, as much as it sucked last night. Like we got our we got our tails kicked, right? But I'm not I'm not that concerned, right? Like it's not I'm not I'm not going to sit here and play Monday morning quarterback and say they should have went and gone and gotten a starting pitcher. Now I'm not saying like like I would have enjoyed had they had gone out and got a starting pitcher, but I don't think it's like uh, see they should have. They didn't trade for a starting pitcher. Time to panic. Like yep. I'm not. I'm not going to go that far. I think that's just kind of, you know, hindsight. Obviously, you know, you're going to win every. You're going to win every every argument if you play the hindsight game. So, yeah, I'm 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 fi- I'm totally fine with. I'm totally fine with with staying the course, and I, we can talk about that a little bit. Um, Unless you have other stuff about the game. Well, I I, I do have a couple of points I want to make about Justin Steele and how he has pitched against. Uh, the Cubs in his career. So last night was his eighth game against the Reds in his career. In that time, he has given up more runs against the 
uh, Reds. He has given up more runs to the Reds than any other team uh, that he has pitched against by a fairly wide margin. So he's the Reds have tagged Justin Steele in eight games for 28 runs. The next closest is 17. That's the Brewers, but he's made four more starts against the Brewers in that time. He's made 12 starts against the Brewers and only allowed 17 runs. Eight starts uh, against the Reds, 28 runs on 45 hits, 11 doubles. That's the most. No other team is even in double figures there. A triple, five homers, and 10 walks and 33 strikeouts. I mean, he. there's something about the Reds going against Justin Steele. It just doesn't click for him. It just doesn't click. Which, again... If you're gonna take some positives away from last night, you got to do something. You got you yeah. got to be able to go back in the locker room last night, shake it off like that game never happened, Absolutely. and say, "All right, fellas, what do we got? What's good here? What do we have? What can we at least take away that's some kind of a positive?" And that's about all you got. I don't think it's for nothing, given the fact that the Reds still have to play the Cubs one more time right. this year. So it's not for nothing. Because he'll make one more start against the Reds, assuming and that's right. a four-game series. Right. That's a doubleheader on Friday, Saturday, Sunday against the Reds over Labor Day weekend. He'll make another start, assuming everything is on track for him, and the Reds get a little confidence. Sure. Not bad. Then you look at what Marcus Stroman has done or not done over the last month. Reds, Reds get a little success in there. Five runs should put you in a good position. Five runs against the starters should put you in a good position to win a Major League Baseball game. Didn't last night. Didn't last night. But it should. No no doubt. I think, like you said, like the Stroman thing, too, he struggled. They're, like, it could be worse. And, and the rest of the Cubs rotation, I'm not like, you're not shaking in your boots tonight facing Drew Smiley. And, you know, Jamison Tyone's pitched better. But, again, he's... You know, he's okay, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, if there's anything, like you said, any positives, we, we for whatever reason, it's it's like it's like steals the left-handed version of, of Adam Wainwright. We just, we have his number, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. we have, I don't know what it is. We, we have his number. It, it certainly beats, like, the, uh, Paul, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, I remember in, like, 2000, like, the mid-2000s, it was always the worst whenever the Reds had to face Roy Oswald because that guy owned the – I don't know what the numbers are numbers were, but he, I think he went 20-3 and three against the Reds or something like that. It was like – so I'll take any, any decent pitcher we can own, like we can, we can, see, we can see against, see well or, you know, rock every yeah. time we face him for whatever reason. Hey, that's a, that's a positive. Add, add Justin Steele to that list. It's better than being on the, the Roy Oswald who got – I think we went like multiple years. We were fit playing the Astros, you know, however many times a year, twenty times a year. He would shove it would, every time, and I'd have to look up the. It was just like crazy. But Roy Oswald. Yeah, Roy Oswald did have some pretty good numbers against the Reds. He owned us. The Reds only hit two forty two against them. Uh, slug three seventy four. I mean, it's yeah. They. Uh, yep. Real time, this is great podcasting. Yeah, they uh, they did not play very well. <laughs> I, I won't list all the stats off, but you're right. Yeah, Roy Oswalt was no fun against the uh, against the good old Cincinnati Redlegs back. Uh, Everett Henry points out right now, no fun, horrible every time, horrible every time. Yeah. Roger Clemens when he was on the Astros, God, that was way back when. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, but it, you know, it it is wild when when you get into a game like last night. And you have a play like that from Kevin Newman in the first inning. You know, you, you think sometimes about, 
you know, a football game where, you know, maybe you, you, you throw a pick six on the mm-hmm. second try. Like, you come down and score, and you throw a pick six on the next drive, and then all of a sudden a team has momentum. They come down and score on the next offensive drive, and things kind of get out of hand. You know, it, maybe maybe your team is up 7-3. to three. You know, Bengals are up 7-3 to three in the first quarter, and they're on the five-yard line. You know, Burrow throws a 95-yard pick six. It's 10-7. You know, then whoever it is comes down, scores again, 17-7. And the whole game changes, whereas if it's 14 to 14 to 3, it's a totally different complexion of the game than it ends up being a blowout. That's kind of what it feels like last night. Maybe Ben Lively was always due for a blowout. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was always maybe the plan was always just to trot him out there and get as many pitches out of him as possible. God bless Luke Manley for giving it his all. Yeah. But <laughs> but there is something to be said about making a play like that in the first inning, inspiring some confidence, getting some outs, setting the table, getting the, the Reds order to come back up in the second inning, and maybe not being so bad, maybe being scoreless, maybe being only down one or two nothing. That's a whole lot different than five nothing before you even record an out. Whole lot different. Um Casey, you had something that you've been trying to play here for a few minutes. Oh no, I was just—I just have the highlights. If we wanted to, to, to oh see yeah, the baby, errors and whatnot. Oh yeah, baby, let's go. <laughs> Run them, Casey. Run them. So there so, was the first. So there's the double play that should have been made by Kevin Newman. That sh- it should have been two gonna, outs right here. He's gonna make that play. Should have been two outs. Should have been two is, outs. This is horrible. Uh, what? That is just unexcusable. Uh. That's why my question again is why even throw that ball? Exactly. It's almost, it's almost as if he, he realized that and couldn't figure it out mid throw. You know, it's one of those things where maybe you don't want to throw the ball and you spike it into the ground or whatever. He did the opposite. He just said, I'm going to just sail this thing into center field. And then from there, the the game was over from there. Everything. The the game was over from there. Everything unraveled, but it, it just, Yeah, this, all right. We, we can end this misery, Casey. Yeah, we can end this misery. <laughs> we can end it. So from here, now, the trade deadline. It's come and gone. Haven't talked about that yet. Reds make one move. Is it Sam Mole or Maul? There was Everybody was arguing on Twitter yesterday. Mole Gordon Whitmire Mole. said it was Maul, but the baseball reference page says Mole. I thought it was Maul, but I'm not... Yeah. But it does say mole on baseball reference. It does say mole. So I don't uh, I don't know. We'll, I don't know. Either way, we'll have to figure it out. Reds go out and get their lefty reliever. It's not a big splash. It's not a big uh it's not a big move. It's not one that's gonna, you know, really make any national waves, national headlines. We talked about it yesterday. But the Reds stand pat. They said that they didn't want to give up anything huge, that they didn't want to uh, give up any anything big in return for anybody that needed to make a move, and they stand pat. Uh, Zach, your thoughts on what the Reds did or did not do at the trade deadline? You know, I selfishly, as as the deadline was kind of, you know, we I was sitting there a couple hours ago. I was hoping for Eduardo Rodriguez. Like I was kind of like, which we will talk more about. We, we in, will in talk a minute. more about that. We'll we'll talk a lot more about that. I was kind of hoping for for that move. Like that would have been. That would have been. I think that would have been a great, a great ad. He's pitched really well, but you know he's a guy who has an opt out. 
And I know that makes maybe makes his value kind of tough to track. Um, but I also kind of look at it. I mean, outside of, outside of that, I mean, who else really was realistic for for the Reds to go out and grab? Maybe a Paul Blackburn. Yeah. Um, but like, they're not. There's not going to be a divi- interdivision trade with you know Flaherty, and I don't even think Flaherty's that great anyway. I think he's you know average, and maybe that would have helped. But I just I, I look at it, and I'm I'm okay with I'm okay with trusting in Nick Crawl. And at the end of the day, he you know didn't want to get didn't want to give up prospects for Eduardo Rodriguez or whoever you know Verlander I don't think was a realistic option right like he was going to Houston or the Dodgers probably and he got his wish um, I'm I'm not gonna you know I'm not bringing out the pitchfork because you know we didn't grab a we didn't grab a starter we could have you could always use a starter right and especially us with with how much the bullpen how much wear and tear on the bullpen has had that we talked about earlier. Yeah. But I'm not like, I'm not that mad. It's, it's, I, I think the lefty reliever was really one of the more important things. I thought that was the most realistic uh, thing they were going to get. I think I wrote that they would, I thought they'd get Brent Suter. They end up going with Sam Mall. So I'm totally fine with it. And watching Sam Mall pitch last night, I mean, he looked, he's got a kind of a funky delivery. He's not going to change. I don't think he's going to change the course of the, the franchise no. or anything like that. But I think it was a nice get. You add a second lefty to help Alex Young out, who, you know, has done a great job, but, you know, you just need that extra arm. Uh, Paul, I'm not I'm not too stressed. Look, you have Hunter Green coming back, right? Two and a half, three weeks. And sure, we don't know. Maybe he's – we don't know exactly what Hunter Green's going to look like, but I'll, I'll say this. He came off injury last year, and when he came back, he was one of the best pitchers in the National League. That You know, and the good news is, is I, I, I was ta- – I was – you know, watching MLB Network, and they were talking, look, the good news with Lodolo and Green is it's not like they're dealing with arm injuries, right? Like, it's, it's a hip, and it's a, it's a shin. It could be a lot worse. They don't have the wear and tear on the arm. Um, so we'll see with Lodolo. He's probably, what, September? Uh, but Hunter Maybe. Green's two and, a half, two and a half weeks away, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a big – I don't like being like the, well, that's your trade deadline move, but that's, that's a big deal, right? Like, yeah. you push Luke Weaver out of the rotation – Hunter Green's got a spot. Hopefully, he can look like the guy that came back from injury at the second half of last year, and he pitched. He was starting to pitch well this year. Uh, and then you have Connor Phillips too. He's pitching really well. He's a guy that look. If it gets bad enough with Luke Weaver, if it gets bad enough with Ben Lively, maybe he's a guy you turn to. He's pitched solid. I think he was at five shutout innings last night uh, in Louisville. You know, again, you're not. You don't want to put too much pressure. Like this guy's got to be a savior, but. He's an option. I think Lion Richardson down in Louisville, who they just moved up to Louisville, could be an option. He's pitched mostly – he started most games this year, but he's only gone three or four innings. They they could use a long man like that, a guy who could come in. He's uh, in a a situation like last night, mop up or something like that. So it's not like they have no internal options. They have, you know, multiple guys. I know – you know, shoot, Vladimir Gutierrez, I don't know how much you're going to count on him. Uh, TJ Anton, the same. Who knows? He hasn't pitched in two years. But, like, Hunter Green to me, like, that's that's significant, right? Like, two and a half weeks. We got we to gotta make it two and a half more weeks. And then you, hopefully you get Hunter Green back. And hopefully he pitches uh, Hopefully he pitches similar to the guy we saw before the injury and late in the season last year. And Nick Crawl just decided, all right, I'm not – going to delve into my prospect pool. I feel good about what we have. And maybe it's something you revisit in the offseason, right? You're going to have more 
there's going to be more options in the off season. And I thought this year it was kind of a, you know, it was kind of a crappy deadline as a whole. There wasn't really much that happened. And I think part of that had to do with they're just the sellers. There weren't a ton of sellers, right? I think there's 20 something teams are within four games of a playoff spot this year. Right. So there's a lot of teams like the Cubs decided to, that they were going to go by the Mariners. You know, I know people were talking, maybe they give up one of their starters, but I think they would have had to get, you know, something that would have made them over the moon to trade one of those, like the Logan Gilberts, the the Kirby's. I I didn't think that was ever realistic. Same with the pirates and Mitch Keller. That wasn't, that didn't seem realistic. There's a, there were a lot of trades that looking back on this whole deadline now were never an option. No, there were a lot of suggestions. There were a lot of things that people talked about names that, got thrown out on Twitter or right. here in the chat or whatever it might have been that we talked about, we spent the last month and a half talking about, that were never, were never going to be options for a trade. Casey, you have a video here. This is uh, Nick Crawl talking with Jim Day. Uh-oh, did you get rid of it? No, I, w- I was just going to mention, oh, too. I mean, they lost their biggest trade piece to the IL. You can't trade people on the IL. Jonathan India. That's right. So, I mean, when it came down to, to the very end, when they made an actual trade, I mean, like the day before, right, or hours before the end of the deadline, I mean, they, they could have had something up their sleeve, but they weren't able to make it happen. So, uh, I mean, I'm in favor of what they did, honestly. I didn't want them to change anything. I think, like we've said over and over again, Hunter Green, Nick Lodello coming back is your deadline. Um and I was just doing the uh, the mental math here about Lively. You got in the lab? Yeah. And <laughs> what he he plays Toronto, Diamondbacks, and the Giants. And then by then we're in September, which uh, is very very easy schedule for the Reds, and we might be getting Lodolo back at that point. Um, so we can if we could just. Push through the next couple uh, of the rest of this month, right? I mean, he, he's only got three more games that are really, really scary. I mean, the other one, the other two that he plays is Pittsburgh and, and Washington. I'm not really scared about him playing against those guys. So three games. That's all we got really left with him to really be afraid um, of how he's going to perform. Um, but let, let's hear what. Uh, so, yes, this is this is Nick Crawl last night. Uh, he joined Jim Day on the broadcast uh, to talk about the trade deadline and what the Reds did or did not do. You'll hear from him right here. We talked for the last couple of days. You know, we were in L.A. and then came here. Uh, you know, we started this morning at about 8.30 and, and just couldn't get something done. You know, we, we had lots of conversations. You know, I, we probably made, you know, 100 calls, 200 texts uh, to just today and yesterday. And it just, uh, at the end of the day, just didn't, didn't work out. Why does not making a deal today make sense for this club right now? You know, I, I think that we're a team that's built from within, and we're trying to build through scouting and player development, and we just didn't find a deal that made sense for us. You know, we, we could have given up guys that are on this major league team. We could have given up some guys that, that, are, that are close. We could have given up some top-end guys. But at the end of the day, for, for just some short-term game, it just didn't make sense for what we were trying to do. I think that was well put. I do. I think I do it was too. well put by Nick. It's transparent. And he's been open and transparent pretty much the whole time with things like this. And I would say, as a lot of people, again, have said on social media the last week or so, 
he's earned our trust. Absolutely. He has done enough with this organization now over the last few years and building things up to get to this point, to the point where the Reds are competitive and where they are in first place on August 2nd. And they are seven wins away, six wins away, depending on where you got it, from their win total on the season. Last year, you're talking about a team that completely sold pieces away and was completely uncompetitive. And now you're in first, pla <coughs> first place excuse me, on August 2nd. One little underlying uh, point there from that video, Ellie De La Cruz striking out mm. over the course of that interview. Yeah. Last week when I was sitting up here hosting, I asked about Joey Votto. And now I understand that Votto is good in his spots. He's not an everyday player. He's somebody that you're going to uh, put up there in his spots when he needs to play, not when he has to play every day, but when he needs to play due to the pitching matchup, he'll go in there. Uh, do, we, do we need to have a conversation about Ali De La Cruz? Do we need to... His plate discipline right now is awful. Yes. It is terrible. Exactly. It is really bad. I mean, he, that 3-0 pitch that he swung at two nights ago, I know the Reds won, but that 3-0 pitch that he swung at two nights ago that was ball four, it's not like... Again, I said this yesterday on the air. If you swing 3-0, fine. Right. If it's a if it's a fastball down the middle, it's like a, a, your your coach will always tell you. You look for one pitch. If that pitch is not right there, wherever your pitch is, no matter what that pitch is, curveball, slider, change, fastball, doesn't matter. Your pitch and your spot, you swing at it. If it's not that, don't swing. 3-0. I know he's he's 21. He's young. He's been in the in the league for a month. I'm not worried about him. Right. I want to make that very clear right now. I'm not worried about him. But the strikeout rate and the plate discipline is tough to watch. In the leadoff spot, they've tried the leadoff thing. It's not working. It's not working. Right. Well, I, I was, you know, it's it's weird because I think that was something we were kind of cautioned of coming up. When he was coming up in Louisville, like, all right, the plate discipline might not be Great, but early on it felt like he was he was pretty good like at, at recognizing pitches and like laying off stuff. But it has it it just has felt like he's trying to do too much, right? Like he'll get down, you know, he gets down in the count so fast because he's chasing, right? And and that's to me, I don't know, like I don't know how concerned I am because every time I feel like I'm about to say I'm starting to get concerned, he'll come back and have like a four hit game. So. But, but I think there is some merit to, like, maybe you move him back down, right? Um, because right now you have plenty of – like, yeah, the Reds have plenty of op plenty of guys that can hit leadoff, right? I, I think – and that that's the thing. Will Benson, could you could put him in there. You could do – you could go back to Friedel. I, I think there's a bunch of guys – I'd probably go could, back to Friedel. They, they could go me. back to Friedel. I, I think that would make a lot of sense. So um, – yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit – the plate discipline, it has been rough, though. Like, it's just it, an adjustment he's going to have to make. And I think we knew, like, that's the when – you're, when you're a rookie, when you're 21, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of growing pains. And I feel like we've been a little bit spoiled, right, with, like, Matt McClain. It feels like he's been you – know, he's been unbelievably good. Steer has been great. You know, we've had these rookies, they've come up. There haven't been a lot of growing pains. 
and Ellie's kind of going through that right now. I wonder if you, you know, do you move him down to maybe fifth in the lineup and just say like, hey, like you're not, we, we put Friedel up there at, at leadoff or whoever, Will Benson, whoever it might be. Because right now it's just, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's just, is he trying to do too much, right? Like he gets down in the counts and it's these, it's the breaking balls, man. It's the breaking balls in the dirt. It's just like, because early on, it just, it felt like he had a pretty good feel Especially that first, you know, first couple series felt like, wow, he's he's had a pretty good feel of the strike zone. And maybe that's just the matter of like, you know, pitchers have kind of maybe they found something. They saw something. Film films come out. Uh, but I, like long term, I'm not concerned. Like, it's not like I'm concerned, but it's all right. Maybe you take a step back, move him down, maybe another day off or something. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair to like. The strikeout rate's high. Let me put it this it's way: high. he in games that he has uh, at least three at bats. So I'm not I'm not talking about if he just gone in there one time, which he did uh, a couple of weeks ago. In games where he has had at least uh, three at bats, his last 11 games he has at least one strikeout, and 18 of his last 19 in which he has struck out at least one time. A lot of those games, multiple strikeouts. Last night, three strikeouts. Night before, three strikeouts. A few nights ago against L.A., two. Three before that, two before that. The strikeout rate is really, really, really high. Mm -hmm. Because, like you said, I think you make a really good point where you're digging yourself into bad counts, you're getting behind, then you're pressing the issue. You have to be disciplined enough knowing your role that Ellie has on this team. You know, He's not going to go out there and hit you 40 home runs a year. He has the power to do that if he runs into him, but he's not, he's not a 40 home run a year type of guy. So the difference is his build and his character uh, as a player tells you that he would be a good leadoff guy. Sure. You get him on, you get him over, you get him in. So in your head, you're thinking, all right, let's get the fastest guy in baseball to first base as quickly as possible before we get the meat of our lineup up to the plate. But when you're not getting on base and you're a liability and you're an automatic strikeout at the top of the lineup, you, you, you can't be having that. The difference is that he's so early in his career. I don't, there, there is a small part of me that doesn't mind him batting leadoff just to get the most amount of at-bats right. to get the most amount of experience. Sure. I don't necessarily mind throwing him up there at the top of the order just to simply see more pitches at the major league level. There is that to it. There is that to it. Because if he gets on base, he's dangerous. Absolutely. Like, you know, like he doesn't even need to be like an elite, elite on base guy. Like we don't need a, like a 370, 380 on base. But it's just like, man, when you have a guy like him, just a little bit, and it was, you know, hate to make the Billy Hamilton comparison because he's obviously way more, way more talented. But a little bit of plate discipline just goes a long way. You know, because if he can just get on for it's he's just one of those guys where it's like, man, if he just gets on base, because we've seen, you know, uh, you don't need to be a brain surgeon to figure out, okay, we've seen this guy, you know, the steal, the, the Milwaukee game where he's still second, third, and home. It's like, it's just, it's, it's he's such a game changer. Just if he, just a little bit. Like you he, just got to get him on the, base. The strikeouts, like, the strikeouts, I, that's probably, it's going to happen with a guy like that. Like, he, he's probably going to have a little bit of a higher strikeout rate than most guys, but... If you can just turn a couple of more of those strike, turn some of those strikeouts into walks, even or you know, because because even he can beat 
if he can beat out ground balls, like he can probably beat out a handful of ground, extra ground balls going to short or third or that other, other side of the infield. So it's like just to change a couple of those strikeouts, flipping those to walks. It's like, that can be a difference in, that can be a difference in a game, right? Like yep. when you have a guy like that. So just the strike to me, it's the strike. It's just the strikeout rate. It's just the strikeout rate. And I think he's going to be fine. Um, but it's, that's, to me, the big, the biggest thing, it's it's high, it's high. But long term, I think I think we're fine. He, he's fine. He's talented. He's incredibly talented. It's making me real sad. Just sad. sad. Just straight up sad. You know who's making me Who, real sad? Who's making you sad? Paul? Just feel really down inside. Tyler Stevenson. Okay. Because I really want to love him. Me too. I really do. I really do. And I just keep giving him second chances and third chances and fourth chances. But man, stop, oh man. man. It's time to stop, man. Oh my goodness. What are we doing? I feel so bad because every time he crouches down behind the plate, I'm going, this is the night. This is the night he turns it around. He swung the bat all right last night. Right. Swung the bat all right. Home run. My God, he can't catch. Man. It's tough. Well, Paul, mm. what, is, like, what is the – because the three-catcher thing we did, Casale's hurt now. What is the solution? Like, do you go melee more often? Do you – What is Kirk Casale doing? He's, is, my, is my guy just sitting there on the bench eating sunflower seeds, grabbing the free packs of peanuts – Getting to travel around the world, what, what getting catered, the, uh, you know, eating the team meals, what is he using know? the strength room. What are we? What's he doing? I'd love to live that life. I could be living that life right now. I could live the Kurt Casale life. My frame doesn't suggest that, but I could. I'd be doing the same purpose. Morale, baby. <laughs> team morale. Let's get him out there. Let's get him out there. Have some fun. What is he doing? It's not his. I mean, I guess it kind of is his fault, but. It's not his fault he's not playing. Left foot contusion, man. That's the left foot bruise. <laughs> bruise on his They're saying toxic ball. Saying I mean, I don't know why ball. I don't know why that's that's toxic. I, I, I understand he's <laughs> I understand he's hurt. I understand he's hurt. But the three catcher thing is it's run its course, right? I think it so. has it's run its course. What was the initial plan? Do does anyone here remember what Stevenson's initial plan was supposed to be. Well, like, it was, what, 60 games at first base, 60 games yeah. behind the plate, and then what was DH, the remainder? DH a lot, probably. But Have we even come close to following that? No. But, like, what Like what do we do? Like, what is, I don't know what you do. What, I, I, I does Maley catch significant? I don't know about significantly more, but, like, is he catching more days than Stevenson now? Or, like, what do you... I don't know. I think you do. I mean, it's like... So when Casale comes back, what's the play? When he comes yeah, back, I, what's the play? I don't know. Because even yeah, before... I, I mean, like, but like before he was hurt, he was not playing that much. Well, yeah, exactly. What's the... That's point? my point. That's my what's point. What's the point of Casale coming back? Yeah. If he's not... Because he didn't... He played once Chucky? every other... Chucky? <laughs> Chucky? Elliot would... Dial in a, Elliot. Elliot would do a cartwheel if they brought Chucky in. He would... Elliot would be... Tickled. I don't know. I don't know if Chucky Robinson's the. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. I like even long term. Like, do we think this is something like Stevenson can fix 
in the off season? Like, is this long term? I hope so. Like, because it's bad. Everything's pretty bad. Well, we we sat up here what a month ago and said maybe the best solution is for him to take more catches, and it's just been backfiring like crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's been awful, awful. Not good. And not good at all. And honestly, I'm ready to to just have Mally be the catcher because we've got plenty of really good batters. Like, I don't know. I, you tell me this. In the lineup, is it really that big of a difference th- between Stevenson and Mally? No. Is it really no, that big of a not difference? Not at this point. Not Well, not, not value-wise. Not right. value-wise in what you get with Mally sure. behind the plate defensively because – and and the and the thing the thing that I get so frustrated with with Tyler Stevenson is I I really I don't I don't want to knock I I like the guy so much that I I don't want to I don't want to knock the effort but there are there are some plays I feel like I gotta put my chair down here a little bit there are some times where he won't even make an effort to frame the ball no like the the Again, to Reed's point where the K zone has kind of ruined baseball, there are pitches that will cross the K zone, but you know, if you're set up on the inside of the plate and then you move your glove because the pitch was coming over to the the you know outside part of the plate and you move your glove and the glove keeps moving and your momentum carries the glove across as you receive the ball, the umpire is gonna call that a ball ten times out of ten. But it might have been a strike if you could have maybe just framed it a little better, kept it there. It almost makes me wonder, is that taxing mentally on the pitchers to know that they're not going to get any help out of their catcher behind the plate? It has to be. I really don't want to sit here and knock him because you, I, I, I feel like there's something there. Absolutely. But it's almost like you're just not getting the effort to I, a certain point. Well, I think, and the, and the thing is, I think we're, the, the attachment we have to Stevens is because we – like, we've seen him be – like, he's a good major league hitter. I, I know this year he hasn't been great, but, like, I think he's a more than capable big league hitter, right? Um, and I think last year the thought was, like, this is kind of one of the cornerstone guys. Um, I think you could um, find me, unfortunately. Someone could probably find it where I was on record saying, I think he's our next Buster Posey. Boy, that, that's not – that's not that hasn't aged incredibly well. But he's had, he had so much promise. He did. I mean, there was so much potential there from him that now you know with the, the dink and dunk offensive yeah. approach at the plate. Yeah, he runs into one every once in a while. You saw it last night. But this this little you know kind of dink and dunk. You're slapping it around. Balls are getting through his legs. It's not like it's you know every third game he makes one massive error. You know there, there there's a difference. In catching where, you know, every third game, yes, it's a wild pitch, but it probably should have been a pass ball because it gets through the wickets. But that this is consistently costing your pitcher strikes because you're just not putting the glove where it needs to be. Right. A lot. Multiple times a game, which is too much. One a game you can excuse maybe in the fourth inning if uh, you're up a couple runs and, you know, your, your glove slides across the zone. This is This is consistently... Time in and time out, the same deal over and over again. I and I, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because there's a lot of times as sports fans. Look, we're all meatball sports fans here. We're all we're all just a bunch of clowns sitting around here talking about sports, thinking we know something when we don't know anything. 
We don't know a thing. We don't know what happens in that Major League Clubhouse every day. We can sit up here for two hours every day and think we know what we're talking about. But at the end of the day, we're not sitting up there in the clubhouse. We don't know what they're talking about. We don't know what Tyler Stevenson is working on in the batting cages and the tunnels down below the stadium. But it's frustrating as a sports fan at the very basic level, at the core of watching games night in and night out like we do in baseball. You know, where, where football, maybe it's a little harder because of scheme. You know, basketball it might be a little harder because you're not seeing things develop the same way, whatever it might be, the IQ of the game. But pretty much any baseball fan that has watched any game for any amount of time could sit there and tell you how to, how to frame a pitch or get frustrated when you see a ball cross the strike zone and it not be called a strike because of an effort level. That, it grinds my gears. It grinds my gears. It really does. If only the Reds could have signed a Division three catcher out of Bluffton. That's... That's what that's what there's start read a catcher. Hashtag start read a catcher. Uh so we have a couple of more things we're gonna talk about. Uh I do have something that I guess I should share from this morning. So this morning I did a workout at uh seven forty five. I'm not a morning workout person. Today was a baseline test. A friend of mine, uh personal her mom's a personal trainer, his mom's a personal trainer, was helping me out, wanted to get a baseline test. Um again, I'm gonna ask for the second time in the show. Are we in are we in the trust tree? Chat, are we in the trust tree? Fellas, I threw up 10 minutes into this workout. I got on the bike. I did the bike as hard as I could for one minute. I threw up everything I had eaten for breakfast. Ugh. Came back, did two more circuits, kept throwing up. I, it, you start, this was a bad It was start. bad. <laughs> this was a bad idea. It was Paul. bad. It was, not, it was not good. It was a very poor performance from Pauly. I've been working right out now? for a while, but the, there, there, there hasn't been a lot of cardio. There's been a lot of strength training, not a lot of cardio. Maybe we start next time with like a brisk. We we like I do like I've been I've been purely doing weight training for okay. about so so my goal was to gain look look everybody sitting here we all know you look at me I'm 26 years old about to turn 27 I look like I'm 18 I look like I'm 18 I I there's nothing here there's nothing here but there was a whole lot less here than there was about a year ago. I'm up about 20 pounds in the last year. My hard, goal was 40. Hard body fall. We got to get rid My of goal it. was 40, which sounds like crazy. And there's a lot of people that are listening to that, this chat right now or listening to this in a podcast going, 40 pounds? What are you talking about? If you knew where I was last year, going from about 162, where I looked rail thin, to now 180, to my goal was to be about 200. I'm 6'3", almost 6'4". I should be about 200. Maybe a little less than two. My goal was about 195 by the time I get married next year in June. So I'm at 180 right now, 181. But I haven't really done anything with cardio. It's been purely strength training. That cardio today, I hopped in there. Fellas, I was puking my brains out. Now, the skyline last night for dinner That's didn't why. help. The skyline for dinner that I saw in the toilet didn't help. Didn't how, help. I mean, how you, you said you were doing sprints, right? You were doing sprints? Or yeah. were you were you running a mile? I ran, I run a mile every time I work out. I Mandatory. Like that. uh, that's the first thing I do is go in and run a mile. Try to get it within like eight minutes. Eight minutes? I don't know if I could do an eight minute mile. I I, I think I probably could. 
I think over the last year, I think a year ago, if you asked me that question, I probably couldn't. I think if my life depended on, I could, I could do an eight minute. Eight you minute can, mile's can, not crazy. Eight minute mile's it, not crazy. You could crazy. get it within six if your life depended on it. I mean, at the rate that you were going today, puking your brains out, I think oh, you'd get it in six. Six minute mile, Paul. Six minute. Yeah. There's there is zero let's, percent chance. Let's do that. How about we train? Yeah, we train you. Like, how about we do like a see if you can do a six minute mile. But if I'm if I'm doing cardio, then I'm just gonna end up thin again. Okay. Oh, I mean, I'm already thin. I'm already thin. I'm already very thin. But for being six three, six four, I, I look like a string bean. So let me. So how often do you wanna? How often are you gonna do this? Do this to yourself. The early morning, seven. I think it's twice a week. Okay. All right. Twice a week. S- still a better man than I, man. I, I can't get. I look. I, I'm, to me, like I'm the last guy to talk about the workouts. You, I mean, you can see the noodle arms, but I, a brisk walk every like five days a week. Like you go, I, I'll do like a mile walk. That's or maybe a light jog. That's enough for me. I I need to hit the weights. You know, that's we'll, we'll get there, but. I just need, I'm a big, just like, get out, get off my butt and exercise guy. You're going for the like, all right, I'm 6'4", I'm trying to, I'm trying to add a little, little meat on these bones. I, that's why I start, I'm on the very, I'm on the, uh, the novice level of just the, bri- we start with the brisk walk, then maybe we'll, we'll do a little more of your like cardio, like actually try and get into like, maybe like shape with like meat on my bones, but. Well, it know. was, it was tough because I was in there and I got about five minutes into it. And so we, we finished on the bike and we go over to start doing another weight set, uh, you know, a circuit. And I could feel it. I could feel it happening. And I didn't know where the bathroom was. So I asked my friend, I was like, hey, uh, where's the bathroom? And he goes, yeah, it's right around the corner. I'll, I'll walk you over there. We got about halfway to the bathroom. I said, you need to, you need to walk faster, bro. You, you need to walk faster. So I didn't, I, you know, was, I didn't want, I didn't want to let him know what, what was about to happen. I don't know if I, I barely made it into the bathroom. Barely made it in the bathroom. That is enough talk about that for uh, 11 a.m. in the morning. Um, but back to sports. Look, back to sports. Uh, I, I, let me just read. I haven't really been reading the chat the chat too much today. Where is Tom? Tom will be back a week from today. Tom is on vacation. I don't know where he's on vacation, but he's enjoying a vacation right now. Tom uh, was out last week. He was taking uh, his daughter down to college. He's back next Wednesday. So he's out this week and then Monday and Tuesday next week on vacation. Somewhere in there, he's got to send Luke off to school too. Um, so it'll be me and Casey. So Zach is with us today. Zach Fries again, if you're listening on, on podcasts right now, Zach Fries over here to my left. He's a blogger now for Chatterbox Sports. You can read his stuff on chatterboxsports.com. Just click on the word. Zach, thanks again for, for joining today. We got about an hour left here. We're going to talk about a, a few more things. We're going to get into the Bengals tomorrow. Jay Morrison will join us at 10.30. We'll have Tracy Jones at 11.30. Friday, uh, I think Friday, for the first time in this show started on September 1st last year, Casey has never once, uh, one time, box lunch, you sat up here. Casey has uh, never sat at this desk, though, for more than maybe five minutes at a time. Casey will be up here uh, on Friday, so we'll be working through that this Show today, we're going to keep going through it. No guest today besides Zach, our special guest, our mystery guest that we had today. Zach will be on today, but again, uh, Monday, uh, Tuesday rather, Elliot will be back with us. Reed is gone all next week on vacation as well. It's kind of this week and next week is kind of vacation week at Chatterbox before uh, the fall gets going and we're doing some of the, the, the bash on Vine and 
we're doing Bengals content and we're doing UC content for football and we're doing all these things that happen, some high school content in there as well. August, really September, October, November, December is a uh, it is a grinding stretch here at Chatterbox Sports. So now's the time to, for for some people. Reed's going on a cruise. Mm. Getting away. You ever? Are you a cruise guy? I, look, we're uh, gonna get back to sports. Uh, all right, we're gonna get back to sports. But the Reds lost twenty to nine. Exactly. So bear with us. All right, everybody, bear uh, with us. I, I gotta say, I've never been on a cruise, and I'm gonna be. I don't really have a big. I don't have a want to go on a cruise. Really, I don't, I'm just. I don't know. I, I've been on. Actually, I've been on like. A, I've been on one of those like whale watching things, and I thought I was gonna throw up. Oh really? It was like uh, out on Maine in Maine or Boston, just like up off the coast there. I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge cruise guy. Like, I'm not – that's not my thing. Boats – I mean, I, I went kayaking over the weekend. That was about <laughs> enough. Cabrilling? That, that, was, that was about enough for me. It was up in Asheville. It was great. Like, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't like anything – like, waters were, you know, calm or, and, and stuff like that. But I'm not a big – I'm not a cruise. I, I don't see myself – beach, sand, sit there. I don't need to be moving. Let's just sit there. What Casey, you, you a cruise guy? Never been on a cruise. Um, I'm afraid to get on a cruise. My dad, he told me about his one time going out deep sea fishing. And uh, I just don't want to experience that ever, ever. Mm. I mean, you get sick, motion sickness at all, and you're just out there. And you don't want to be the guy to make everyone suffer and have to go back to the shore. So you're just trying to power through it. But people can get, like, really sick and get in, like, serious trouble. From just dehydration, puking too much. Nah, I, I'm, I'm. That's something that I uh, would have to test with like a yacht first before getting on a giant cruise ship. So, so my family, uh, my family, my uncle is a, a big fishing family, massive, massive. I love fishing. I love deep sea fishing. I've done it many times. You go 150 miles off the coast and you do it for a, a day or two. It's a lot of fun. I've loved doing that i've never been on a cruise i think i want to do it one time just to say i did it okay just to experience it just to just to say you know i went on a cruise i don't know if i need to do like a 14 day mediterranean no. you know turkey greece sicily the whole thing i don't know if i need to do that but you know Five, six, seven days to the Bahamas and something. You go off the coast of Florida. You kind of putter around in the Caribbean for a little bit. Yeah, I could do that for a few days. I could do that. Are you an so are you a, are you a good fish? Like are you an avid fisherman? Is that you? Not avid. I I do it when I get the invite. Okay. I do it when I get the invite, and I do what I'm told to do because the last thing I ever want to do when I go fishing is get in the way of anything going on no, yeah. you, you can't fishing when you go out 150 miles off the coast and you leave at you know 11 p.m or midnight and it's pitch black and you go out and and you are i'm telling you you go off the jersey shore and you are just straight out for four or five hours it yeah. you just the boat doesn't stop you're just straight out through the chop for four or five hours and you're you know 150 miles and you turn the you turn the uh the lights on like the 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 tally lights underneath the boat and you can't see a thing anywhere except the fish that come and swim up right next to you oh, they, oh there is something it's not for everybody no and it's spooky 
One of the wildest things that ever happened, and boy, have we gotten off it now. <laughs> but one of the wildest, wildest things that ever happened, one time we were going out there, we were probably 40. So usually you can see the coast about 10 miles. The, 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 the horizon is about 10 miles when you get straight out. We were probably 30 or 40 miles off the coast. So we were, we were getting out there a little bit. And uh, you could see on the horizon a blinking red light. And this was one of my first times truly going way, 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 way out to sea. I was, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. And there was a blinking red light straight away. We were off the Jersey Shore, about mid, middle of the state, middle of the state. And I'm sitting there and I hear my uncle and I hear him going, I, you know, maybe he was getting on the radio or he's talking to my cousin who was his first mate. And they're talking about going toward this red light. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh my God, what, what is this? Is this an emergency situation? What are we doing here? Then we see it again. Then it disappears. Then we see it again. Then it disappears. And I'm going, what is this light? And we're never getting closer to it. It was in the direction we were going anyway. So we weren't. But we thought it was a ship in distress. We realized after about 20 or 30 minutes of going towards this light, it was planes coming across the horizon from Europe that were flying to New York. And they oh. were their, their light on their plane would cross the horizon, then it would go into the clouds, and then it would fly back over us. But we didn't see an opening in the clouds. I mean, that is oh. truly what you get when you're straight out there and things coming over the horizon. You get the sunrises and everything. That's five minutes that you never knew you needed on deep sea fishing. That's... But since we're talking about cruises, yeah, it's something. It, it, I think I'll do it. I think I'll go on a cruise. I mean, maybe if I like it, you do more. But I think I'll do a cruise. I've thought about Alaskan cruises, going up to Alaska, that doing one of those. Might be cool. I've heard I've heard good things about the Alaskan cruises. Do it. Uh, one thing I would never do though. One thing I don't know if you could pay me enough money to do would be. Uh, what's the show on Discovery? I watched. Oh. Uh, uh, you know the the crab fisherman. What is what's the show? Don't tell me. I'm not going to look at the chat. Deadliest catch. Deadliest okay. catch. Yeah. Deadliest catch. You could, yeah. I don't know if there's any amount of money in the world that you could pay me to go be a fisherman on Deadliest Catch. No. I'm, I'm not a fisherman. I've never been fishing. So I don't know if oh. I ever will. So I don't know if you could. <laughs> Casey, would you ever go out to, uh, out to Alaska and, and do deep sea fishing? Alaska? Well, I mean, like, I mean, that they go up, you know, off the coast of Seattle and they go up there. And uh, would you ever, would I you mean, ever, would... would you ever star on Deadliest Catch? I know your dad is a big fisherman. Listen, my but family, that's a different kind of fishing. My, my than family's that. big into fishing. We had a, a fishing lure business. Um, I would want to go somewhere tropical. If I was to go anywhere that was like super cold, probably wouldn't be a fan of it. The it Bering was... Strait. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Uh, so that if that answers your question, yeah, I mean, I. I would do any deep sea fishing as long as it was warm. All right. Um, there is one person in the chat that is extremely disgusted with what they are listening to right now. Casey, I'm going to let you guess. Bonus points to Zach if he can figure this out. Casey, who do you think hated this last eight minutes of this show the most? Um, there's one person. There, I, there's one correct answer to this. I mean, he, he's super into Cincinnati sports. Um, been a, been a long time listener. Um, 
think it's I think I think it's Natty Ron, right? I oh, think, it's I, it's it's yeah. Natty Ron, baby. Ronnie Smith has no <laughs> interest in fishing. Nobody, uh, Zach. Let me introduce you to our good friend Ronnie Smith. Yeah. Nobody is a beacon of light. You know, you're talking about fishing in a, a lighthouse. Somebody guiding you home. That is Ronnie Smith. Yeah. Ronnie Smith knows that when things get off track, that this is a sports show. This is sports programming on your computer or your phone, wherever you listen. And by God, you better never waver from that. That's what I've, I've heard. I have seen the Ron. Ron's a sports guy. He's just, yeah, he's steering us back. I, I, I respect that. You know, sometimes you need that. All right. We do have something that is uh, sports adjacent. A little segment we're going to do here. Yesterday... Uh, there was a trade. Zach, this was your segment, so I'm going to let yeah. you pitch it. So there was a, a trade that, well, it wasn't really a trade. Eduardo Rodriguez was uh, supposed to be traded to, was supposedly traded to the Dodgers, but he has a no-trade clause, so he nicks the deal. Um, so with that, uh, I created a, I thought of a segment that would be fun of what would be three cities that would be like in your no trade clause it, like what are the three they can just be the cities uh what like who where would you not want to go right uh paul i'll, I'll ask you like okay. where would you do we, do we want to go do you want me to list my three or do we want to go one 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 i think we do that one 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 yeah yeah i think Let's we do that. that yeah okay my number one absolutely no doubt about it pittsburgh you okay. i would i would veto and nix a trade <laughs> To Pittsburgh, it wouldn't. I think if I was asking for a contract, I might Eli Manning Pittsburgh. I might just say if I got drafted by the Pirates or the Steelers or the Penguins, I would nix that so fast it wouldn't. You could not. I'd retire on the spot. <laughs> I'd retire, not playing in Pittsburgh. Casey, you're up. Oh man, uh, there again. I'm, I think to me there there is a correct answer for you. But we'll see. I'll see what you say. I mean, number one, number one, come on. You guys know they stink up there. Yep. Yep. It's Cleveland. I would absolutely. just absolutely not. Cannot go to Cleveland. Would be horrible. I, I would have to veto it. Have to nix it. Okay. So Cleveland's off my list. I, I, I'll think of another one. Go ahead. I was going to say Cleveland, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say a city that I think is sort of, and it's ironic. I'm going to say this. It, I think of it as similar to Cleveland, Detroit. You know, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a ton of interest in going and playing in Detroit. I know uh, uh, it's close to, uh, it's close to family. Like it is for Eduardo Rodriguez on the East coast. I think that's why he cited, but um, I, Detroit, I have, I have very little interest. Maybe, maybe I'm mean to Detroit. Maybe I have to go up there because I've never really been there, but it just feels very, very Cleveland to me. Like it, it does. It feels like it's a, it's a cousin of Cleveland and I hate Cleveland and there's stupid jokes about Cincinnati, Kentucky. Ha ha. Your river caught on fire. Okay? Your river's on fire, guys. <laughs> Wake right? up. Cincinnati, the Wake Cincinnati, up, Kentucky jokes. So, Cleveland, to me, it's like it's close enough to Cleveland to where I'm, I'm disinterested. I'd be disinterested in Detroit. Oakland? Yeah. I think it would be a really hard sell to get me to go to Oakland. Absolutely. I think it would be a really, really hard sell. For me to go all the way out here, I'm also thinking about a, a little bit from living in Cincinnati and you know going out west. I'm I'm kind of, I mean I. He mentioned yesterday when he said he didn't want to go to L.A. that he wanted to be closer to family on the East right. Coast. 
That's you. Do we are we buying that? Uh, I don't know if I'm buying. I don't know. I uh, think he just didn't want to go to the Dodgers. Yeah. What a move! Strange. What it's a strange. move! Hey, it's he got his eight. Shout out to his agent. His agent. I mean, he he got a pretty good deal coming off a bad year. He got like seventy something million coming off a bad year. He got a ten team no trade. That's a that's a that's good work by his agent. Okay, Oakland is my number two. Even though, yes, as uh, it's pointed out in the chat, probably right, probably moving. Um, I have an underrated number three that I'm going to save because I don't know if this is going to be taken. Casey, you're up next. Um, this is probably one that uh, many of you probably don't have, and it is uh, directly because I'm a Bengals fan, but I would not go to Baltimore. One, it's cold, and two... Cold? They, they, huh? Cold? Cold, yeah. It gets cold. I mean, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same as here. I know. I it's know. on the same line. I know. All right, it's but, cold. <laughs> it's cold. It's, it's cold. cold. It's cold, and they stink too. So, definitely nixing Baltimore. Would not go there. See, Paul, you took Oakland. That was another one of mine. Uh, okay. Uh, no, almost no interest. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say those scumbags over in St. Louis. God, that was my I don't want to play. I don't. I was hoping it would make Saint it back to me. No, I don't. I don't want to play in St. Louis. I don't need these. I, I don't need to be a self. I don't need to play for the self-proclaimed best fans in baseball. All right, the the best fans in baseball. I don't need that. It's a. It's. I don't need to go out there. I don't need to be in St. Louis. I hate the Cardinals. I immediately nix that trade. No interest in playing for those. Losers and Chris Carpenter, what a whiner that guy is, complaining about the balls and the smoke in my eyes. We, we don't complain about that stuff. I, St. Louis disgusts me. Disgust. I hate St. Louis. I hate. I think it's more just I hate the Cardinals. I, that that would. I hate the organization so much. I think that's and, and it's probably in, just because they've they've uh, they've been the gold standard and they've owned us for so long. And I should probably put that personal vendetta against the Cardinals aside, but no, I, I can't. It's too strong, St. Louis. Saint yeah, St. Louis. Louis was my number three, so I will uh, let me let me workshop this one. I was thinking I, Philadelphia. That's yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Philadelphia. Here's the thing about Philadelphia: it's, if you're really good in Philadelphia, they love you. You are a right. king. You are a king. But the problem is that they turn on you so fast, and yeah, those fans it, are so ruthless. Yeah. I don't know if I'd. I don't know if I'd want to deal with it at all. Yeah, just imagine if you're not a superstar. You're just one of the average players on that team. The moment you make one mistake, yeah. even if it's very minor, and it doesn't do a whole lot of harm to the team itself, you are cursed up and down. You are just the worst. A pile of trash. And that's just, yeah, Philadelphia is definitely one of those teams. But at the same time, they are neighbors to Pittsburgh, so it kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. I, I just Pennsylvania in general. Out. I'd probably nix a trade to the Angels. I was gonna. Think, I would. I would not nix a Dodgers trade. I. Don't I, think I, would I, I guess it's. I, I'm maybe a little biased coming from from DC and like, you know, the traffic and the bigger city and and everything like that. Like that doesn't so much bother me. I'm very used to that. It, it's very funny sometimes when I drive with people around here from Cincinnati and you know we'll be like downtown between Oakley and the city and there's that like one little log jam yeah. that happens right around MLK to get down around to the red stadium and then everybody will complain about traffic. I'm like, I sit in an hour of traffic just to go 10 miles back <laughs> home. You know, I mean, so, so the LA big city thing, I wouldn't nix a trade to the Dodgers. 
I might nix a trade to the Angels. I have one. Because I don't think it would be worth it to do the traffic and all that in Anaheim and, and that whole scene to play for the Angels in the way they're currently constructed. I've got one more. Any team outside of the USA. Okay. Like Toronto. Like any, any, anything that is like going to require me a passport to travel back and forth between the states and whatnot just to see my um, family. I'm with you. I was going to yeah. say Toronto. I don't really have anything against Toronto, but I don't have a passport. So we're going to, they're going to have to work that yeah. out. Like that's, <laughs> that's on you. Like you got, like, I'm going to have to figure that out. I, but Paul angels was another one I was thinking. Yeah. About. Like I, that's just, eh. yeah, meh. No. Uh, Mouse cop. The problem with Cincinnati traffic is that it doesn't make sense. I've never heard it like said like that, but what I, doesn't make sense? The like traffic? the traffic. I don't know. I mean, it's the metro is pretty big. You know, yeah. Seventy five is a disaster. Not to get into the yeah, traffic thing, but that's all seventy five though. Like yeah. it's not just the Cincinnati thing, right? I don't know. Casey, what did I just see on my screen? Are we going to do this? Just get it over with. Just throw them up there. Just uh -oh. get the just get this over with. Just put them up there. <laughs> just get it over with. Twenty runs, twenty runs, seven home runs. That's more point. That's they scored more runs than Justin Fields has ever scored for the Chicago Bears in his life. Twenty runs. Ah! Ah! Here's Elliot. He's not doing well. He's not doing well. Hey, wait, wait. Bring it back to me. You guys were talking about worse cities. Is that right? Yeah. Did, did anybody mention Hamilton yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing the shirt, Elliot. Yeah, you are wearing a Hamilton Joe shirt. You guys are mentioning teams that uh, you wouldn't want to play for. Did anyone mention the Florida teams? I mean, I know it's nice weather, but... I want to play in front of fans. I had I, I had I the Mar I had the Marlins as my fifth if if uh, anybody else got picked. The Marlins were my backup. I don't know. I feel like being in Miami though would be fun. Yeah. Tampa. Yeah, Miami. You would go play Miami. City, but like, once Tampa, Tampa. I forgot about the Rays. I forgot about the Rays. Yeah. Tampa totally forgot fans. about the Rays. Tampa. See ya. Jacksonville. See. Well, they don't have a team. Little they have Jax. a Triple A team. Oh, better, I see what you're saying. The better question. Is Outside of the red, stop hitting these rumble strips. Sorry, I'm trying. <laughs> um, outside of the reds, who's the team that you'd most want to play for? Because for me, like outside of the Cubs and the Reds, it'd be the Braves. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was I was gonna ask this question after after I saw I knew this was I knew this this, this I knew this was coming. We let Reed get it get it in here. Uh, let me see one pick. One pick outside of the Reds. Well, you would the be the Nats, right? Cubs, yeah, it would be a hard time saying no to the Nats. I'd love to go back home and play for the Nats. I got. Well, I, I think Boston. I, I don't know something about Boston. I kind of like Boston. I think Fenway's great. Like I like and I like the city. Red Sox would kind of be. I think that would be up there for me. I that might be my pick. Okay. Although the fans, I don't know. Reed, where would you go? Uh, outside of Chicago and Cincinnati, I, I like I said, it, Atlanta. Um, we've got to we got to get going because we got to get our eyes back on the road. I'll leave I'll leave Zach with one question. Okay. Out of all of the Cubs home runs last night, which was your favorite? Because they hit seven. I, of them. I I like the ones that land in that stupid basket that they that made up basket that you guys have that little contraption that you you use that Dansby Swanson. Yeah, that's the. It, 
that fake that fake contraption they need to 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 suck. It's all just those all balls to make in. them all feel better. That's yeah. all it is. It's just to yeah. pad st pad stats and make everybody feel better those about fake themselves. Ones. Yeah. But yeah. The thing is about the basket. First off, you mentioned Dansby Swanson. That's what a long-haired middle infielder. That's how he's supposed to play. I know the Reds don't have any long-haired middle infielders, but that's how they're supposed to play. Great fans and a great hitter. Um, mm. Actually, Trace told me what that basket was for. He gave me a little bit of news on that basket. Apparently, the bleacher bums used to just, like, run along the side and hop over the fence all the time. So that's that's mm. because uh, the hooligans, like me, and, like me and Elliot, are going to be the night out in the bleachers fence all the time so that's there to keep that from happening how is the drive right now how's elliot doing is our is our sweet prince holding up they don't pave the roads i don't know if you can hear me i'm yelling loudly i they're not paving the kind of some kind of some kind of weird buffer and it makes noise here i'll go over it to the right Reed keeps Reed keeps playing Cubs music. I can't see straight. I can't hear myself think. It's horrible. We're having a very bad time, but it, it helps me. It helps me drive right now, knowing that the Cincinnati Reds are going to win this series. I know Trey thinks it will split the series. It's not going to happen. The Cincinnati Reds are winning this series, and then Jonathan India is going to come back in ten days, and he's going to be the player that everybody thought he was. We're not Jose Barrero. Jose Barrero stinks. He stinks, everybody. Jonathan is very good. I know Trace thinks everybody else is better than him. Reds are going to be very good. That's my final thoughts. Goodbye. Love you all. Hamilton stinks. He was yelling like a grandma. <laughs> Just yelling it like it's on speaker or something like that. He <laughs> came through loud and clear, Elliot. Just want you to know that. The people heard you, except you did cut out there for about 10 seconds. Big technology. Big tech. They were silencing you. It's tough. That's all right. All right, well, we all right fellas. Road, Enjoy your game tonight. Can't wait to see the tweets. Yep. See ya. Yeah, see Bye, ya. Fellas. See ya. And we, 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 just, we just sat there and took that. We just sat there and took that. It was tough. It, well, it's hard. When you, when you lose 20 to 9, you know, we, we can let we'll, – we'll let him have, have his day, you know. We'll let him have his day of fun, but it's, it's, a new, uh, it's a new day tonight. Be Wells on the mound. You know, the I world think is balanced again, right? I mean, Elliot had his fun. Now Reed's had his fun. Now we're going to be back to uh, winning the series. We're back on track, right? That's the hope. I, I think so. Trace tweeted last night that he – maybe it was Trace or Elliot, one of the two. I think it was Trace. Tweeted that he was – has never been more confident about anything in his life than a series split. Two okay. games apiece. Does that win come tonight or tomorrow? That win. Dreamweaver pitches tomorrow. <sighs> I'm taking tonight. I think tonight. You think I'm, tonight? I'm going against the Dreamweaver. I know it's hard to go against Dreamweaver, but, you know, last, last time out he threw his best start of the year and we lost. So, um, I feel good about tonight. I do. B-Will's pitching well. Um I know last outing was a little shaky, but you're you're facing a tough Dodger lineup. Uh, Drew Smiley's been terrible as of late, just awful. Um, I feel I feel pretty good about tonight. We're, I think last night you'd rather I think you'd rather lose the way we lost, right, than lose one nothing, right? I, I would rather lose like that. Just you just it's one one sixty two. Shake it off. You got one of those game one of those nights. I'd rather lose like that. 
How okay, we we did this yesterday. And again, I see AJ worse in the chat. Good to have you in here, AJ. Um if you're just joining the show, this is Zach over here, Zach Fries. Zach is a very good friend of Elliot's. Zach is also a writer for Chatterbox Sports. So if you like what Zach is bringing to the table right now uh, on the air, you can read him off the air. He writes for us one, two times a week whenever whenever his schedule allows, whenever he can. Um, and you can find that on chatterboxsports.com. There's a little tab called The Word. Uh, we, we have some good writers. There's also a, a writer um, uh, who has been writing for us over the last few weeks who was a, uh, a producer, uh, worked in, in sports and worked pretty high up in sports on the production side of things for a long time. Um, and he's done some pretty good pieces for us. Uh, his name's Lee Jerowitz. I hope I'm pronouncing that rightly. If, uh, if you're listening to this, Jerowitz, Jerowitz, uh, one of the two, but he's been around the Cincinnati scene for a long time. We have some other writers that are coming on board with us as well. So, uh, read their stuff, but that's Zach. Zach, do you have anything else uh, that, that you want to kind of pitch the people on or, or tell the people who you are? Because I have a feeling you'll be more recurring on this show. Well, I mean, uh, like if you look, if you love UC sports, I'm going to be doing a lot of that. Uh, a lot of UC football, basketball stuff. I mean, I love the Reds, obviously. I'm sure me and Paul probably once once basketball. I love college basketball. So once, once that. It warms my soul that I'm, I'm we have. It, it warms my soul that between Elliot and now you, yeah. you know, Reed, Reed is a, a big Xavier fan, you know, loves going to the games, everything like that. I can tell you guys are, are college basketball junkies. We're big, like, we're big college basketball guys. Like, the, we, we li- I've got UC basketball season tickets, you know, I just got it, you know, I'm, I can't wait. You know, we're in the Big 12, so... Reed, Reed be has great. been my confidant. When I need to talk college basketball around here, Reed is my guy. So, and now I have two more guys. So it's like, yeah, now we're like, you know, we're both... Now we have two, we, you have two on your side, me and Elliot on the UC, or the, the UC basketball guys, and I know Charlie will do stuff for us too. Uh, Charlie Walter will do a bunch of UC stuff. So, yeah, I mean, a lot, lot of... I can't wait for once we it's it's kind of hard like now before like we're, football hasn't gotten into full swing but there'll be a bunch of like UC I got like UC basketball UC football I'll be all over that kind of stuff and I mean I'm I'm a diehard I'm a diehard Reds fan too as you guys can probably tell so what do we need to do to get Wes Miller to smile it, it's you know what well because def- he he's a nice guy great guy he's a really nice guy but he's. He's not very photogenic. Okay, in defense of him on the would you wanna would you wanna be stuck in the Heritage Bank Center doing a No, I was talking fake... about the one from the other night at TBT. Okay. Did you see that? I did Elliot did show me that. Yeah. Well, you know, we were lo- we lost. The Heritage Bank Center one was a tra- that was they did him very that funny. wasn't even his fault. No. That's not his fault. No. They did him so dirty on that. And Anthony Grant too. They did him so dirty on that. So dirty. Was, who wants to go sit there and do a press conference like that? It, it was it's brutal, and I know we've we've done the we've done the fair sharing of I know you guys have done the fair sharing of bashing on Heritage Bank, but it's just terrible, terrible. Oh, I mean, if we want to do a whole week on that, terrible place. I went there for a Blake Shelton concert. Like it was a pretty like, yeah, a country. We don't we don't country music shame here. I love country, music. Um, but it was just I can't imagine how bad it'll be when that play. It was pretty packed. The concourses are just so jammed. It's just a nightmare just, like, being able to walk at it. The logistics of that place, God, it's ter- it's so bad. Like, oh, 
But I'll, I'm sure I'll go to that game. You know, I say this. And I think I'm, I'm going to go to that game. I'll go to that game, and, you know, that's just that. When is it? Be, it's in December? December 16th. I think it's a Saturday. December so, 16th. All right. You know what? Uh, well, that's okay. I, uh, I, I'm, I, like, I'm looking forward to the game. Like, I think I'm glad. I think UC needs more, like, the, the non-conference has been terrible in basketball lately. Musket- I think it's a good Musk- game. Musketeers have a mighty matchup against Winthrop that day. Hmm. So maybe so, maybe if the timing works out, right. we'll see. All right. We'll see. Uh, Everett, can anyone name one good act that has been to Heritage in the last five years? Legit asking. Uh, uh, I mean, defi- I don't know. It's whatever I mean, you I like. Lo- what do you I, like? I love Imagine Dragons. They were there. Oh, were they? Yeah, they were there. Okay. Put on a decent. The problem is the acoustics are so bad. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah, uh, the the Globe Trotters. Yeah, they they've been there. The Globe Trotters. Like the, the I think the Globe Trotters have done the Cintas things. Yeah, I've never seen them. I've <laughs> never, I've never, have, I've never done the. Globe I just Trotters. remember they would always go there. It'd be like the week after Christmas, like they'd show up, and that would be their thing. So, yeah, terrible, terrible place, Paul. All right, uh, let's see. We had. Uh, the Reds, we've talked about the Reds. Was there anything else with the Reds? We have a half hour left on this show. Anything else with the Reds that we haven't talked about? We, we covered the trade deadline. Were there any thoughts? Actually, here, we'll go to this. Yesterday, the Mets traded Justin Verlander to the Astros. Back to the Astros. Max Scherzer goes to the Rangers. Those teams are within a half game of each other in the AL West right now. Yeah. How about the Mets just saying, here, you guys go and go head-to-head, do battle? I like that. I think it's great. I think the biggest story, though, is just the Mets parading around all offseason. Like, they had, they were going to win, like, the next five World Series. And now, less than four months later, they've done a complete 180. Uncle, well, you know, it was Uncle Stevie's the greatest of all time. We'll die following him into battle. And now it's... Scherzer is like blasting the Mets because <laughs> they said 2024 is the is the transition year and they're they're looking at 25, 26. I I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read that quote after you're really, done. With this point. Really funny. Just like all of a sudden it's like the Mets are like you look at their line, I mean they're just like rabid. They they got picked over. Their whole team got picked over. They lose Scherzer, they lose Verlander. You were thinking, oh, they're you know, they were a hundred win team. They'll they'll probably win like close to a hundred games again, and they're just like Totally, they blew it up, and now apparently the way – look, you never know with, with Steve Cohen. He can, you know, drop bags at the drop of a hat, really. But um, it sounds like they're kind of going to – they're doing kind of a semi-rebuild, you know, at yeah. least for next year. That doesn't sound like they plan on – which I just think is interesting. You know, they're, they're – uh, goes to show you, you know, just because you have the deepest pockets, that doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean you're uh, – you're a contender. Same thing, I guess, same, similarly to the Padres. So here's a quote from Max Scherzer. Quote, I talked to Billy. He's talking about Billy Epler, the Mets GM. Yeah. I talked to Billy. I was like, okay, are we reloading for 2024? He goes, no, we're not. Basically, our vision now is 25, 26. 25 at the earliest, more like 26. We're going to be making trades around that. I was like, this is Scherzer, so the team is not going to compete – or sorry. So the team is not going to be pursuing free agents this offseason or assemble a team that can compete for a World Series next year. Epler said, no, we're not going to be signing the upper echelon guys. We're going to be on the smaller deals within free agency. 24 is now looking to be more 
of a kind of transit transitory year. Mm. How about that one? That's tough. How about your star pitcher? Somebody you spend all this money on cachet, everything else, just letting it all mm. air out. So da- look, it's the Steve Cohen thing. Didn't really, it hasn't pan. I'm not going to say it didn't work. We're way too early in that to say it didn't work. Right. But it's not paying any dividends right now. Right. And I mean, they're going to hire apparently Billy, Billy Epler, um, is gonna is kind of a it's temporary for him. I think they're gonna bring in somebody else to to run the team. But it is it is strange that they just like they went this fast. And I know they they stunk. It did look the team. It's for whatever reason didn't work out. But it is funny. I am curious of like, are they going to still do this in in future years? Of like, all right, we're just gonna empty out the books. We're gonna empty out our pockets, and we're gonna pay whatever it takes like is that going to be what are they going to go more player development or are they going to go mix i'm kind of curious now because they i mean they went they spent all the money and the, people don't remember like correa was supposed to go there too so there was a time when correa was they were heavy on correa so it's it it, it is fascinating now and it's it's kind of like I, i'm curious because it's you know if you're a mets fan it's a bad it's a it's kind of you got to feel bad right if you're a mets fan i mean you got to feel pretty Last year, you were that close. You had 100 wins. You lose to the Braves. Now the Braves are going to be set up forever. I mean, they've got everybody under contract for the next 15 years somehow and on cheap deals, it seems like. And now the Mets are kind of like stuck spinning their wheels. I'm, you know, and, and I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the chat right now, you know, looking at like AJ being very, uh, you know, down on Steve Cohen and the Mets and everything. There was a part of me. That when Steve Cohen bought the team, I'm not going to say I was rooting for the Mets, but I wouldn't have minded seeing the Mets succeed under Steve Cohen because he very clearly just wanted the team to succeed. Sure. Now, he threw a lot of money at the wall and just hope it stuck. Right. But you see a lot of owners in sports that buy the team. They treat it as a business investment. They don't really want to put in the effort to actually making sure the team is good. They just treat it as another business venture mm-hmm. and then turn around, sell it. Maybe the team is good. Maybe it isn't, but they don't really care from that perspective. I didn't mind Steve Cohen because he didn't need the cash. He didn't really care. He just wanted the team to be good. Right. And they're not good. So from that perspective, it is a little bit of a bummer that the ownership from that perspective didn't work out. Do I care that the Mets are not good? Not no. the slightest bit. Not no. in the slightest bit. I don't either. I not the slightest. Funny. In fact, if anything, the Mets being this bad after spending so much money has produced incredible content. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Frank the Tank. Frank Gotta the Tank. his reaction. It's... Poor old Frank the Tank. Poor, <laughs> he poor was right. Frank. He's never been more right. No one has ever been more right than Frank the Tank. Un- you know. I mean, he, he always, he always bad. I guess if you're, if you're that negative all the time, you know, you're going to be right every once in a while, but Hey, it looks pretty, looks pretty right to me. looks pretty right to me right now. (laughs) You know, it's funny looking at the trade deadline and, you know, everybody in the last 30 minutes talking about, Oh, you know, it's haven't seen many deals yet. It's going to be a crazy last 30 minutes. 15 minutes goes by. You don't really see anything. Haven't really seen anything yet. None of the contenders have made huge moves. These last 15 minutes are going to be nuts. I mean, Verlander got traded. Scherzer got traded. 
Those are two older guys. Sure, Verlander had an incredible season last year. He's he's pitching maybe as well as he's ever pitched, but he's still older. I don't think a lot of baseball fans are going to tell you. Maybe you disagree, but at least to me, Verlander isn't long term moving the needle as much as you know some young star. Sure. The the biggest thing, the biggest story yesterday, was a trade that didn't happen. Right. They got nixed. That was the biggest story from the deadline yesterday. It's it's unfor- it, it was a it was a Paul. I gotta say, for being a baseball junkie like myself, you li- you love the trade deadline. But yesterday let me down. It was a letdown. And maybe last year we were spoiled with Hader going and the Soto trade and all that stuff. But you were kind of you you were, you're always like, all right, there's 30 minutes left. Here we go. Something's pop. Like something's gonna happen. Like something. There's gonna be a big move. And there's you know stuff trickles out late. But it's it was a du- it was kind of a dud. Right, like it just was a. There wasn't there wasn't much in the Verlander thing. Like I'm sure, he'll probably he'll go to Houston and he'll he'll probably be really really good and he's pro- But there wasn't a ton of like eye popping. You know, not 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 a lot of eye popping. I think that's just like some some years it's like that. And I think this was the year where, like I was saying earlier, there weren't a lot of definitive sellers. Like the Cubs, like we talked about. For a while, it looked like they were going to trade Bellinger and they were going to trade Stroman like a week ago, right? Or 10 days ago. Those guys end up staying, you know. Uh, the Yankees kind of held pat. The Red Sox kind of held pat. Those are two teams that usually in some form or fashion are going for it in some way. They, they're kind of in weird spots where they're not – their teams aren't great. Um, so, yeah, it was just one of – and it's like the, the major sellers – don't didn't really have a lot of to offer really the Royals and the A's like those are the two worst teams like last year like the Reds were the worst team well they had they had two of the best starting pitchers on the trade market like they had they had legit two of the probably five best starters that got dealt this year there just wasn't a whole lot so yeah it was yeah it was a little bit of a little bit of a dud this year if the playoffs ended today the Reds would play the Brewers, the mm. winner there to face the Dodgers. The Giants would play the Phillies, the winner there to face the Braves. I know I've sat up here and said that the Dodgers, you know, if you make the postseason, you got to play somebody. Seeing the Brewers and Dodgers there. Mm. Brewers in round one, man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you what. If we sit up here for seven months and Nick Kirby and Trace Fowler, they work to build one of the best baseball podcasts, not only in the city, but in the country. Charts show it. Only to play the Brewers in the first round of the postseason. I don't know if I can handle that. I don't know if I can handle that. That would be a tough sell. That would be a real tough sell. After all this time, you'll look for... I just don't want... An Atlanta situation again. Yeah. I, th- now that season was shorter, so you didn't have as much time to build expectations. You didn't have as much time to sit there and dwell on what could be or what could have been or anything like that because you're only playing 60 games, motored through the season. Then all of a sudden you play two games down in Atlanta. You could get shut out. All right, whatever. But you play 162 for a team that was supposed to win 65 games, 
probably going to end up somewhere between 80 and 90 wins, depending on how, you know, this next stretch goes. Potentially winning the division. I would say winning the division, but we'll see. To well, play the Brewers? I would hate it. God, I would hate that. Now, Nick Kirby in the chat, I'm, I'm curious. Um, he says he would take the Brewers over anyone else outside of Miami. I don't know, man. A Burns, a Burns Peralta Woodruff might break me. If like a three two to one games, or maybe even two two to one games. That's the thing is that they're not even exciting. Break me. They're not I, even fun. No, it would be you know it'd be miserable, Paul. It would be there would be it, it would be one nothing or two to one games, and I would just be like, those are the the sitting through those Atlanta like you were talking the Atlanta playoff game that was bad that was torture enough, but a a Burns ah. Uh, I don't know. That would be tough to stomach, especially if I had to like, if we had to, if, it, if they came here and like shut us down. Oh God, yeah, that would be tough. I, I personally, I would rather, I would take my chances against, I would take my chances against the Giants. I think we, I think we can match up with the Giants fairly well. Um, same thing with, uh, same thing with like an Arizona. I, I would feel fine with against Miami. I wouldn't be that worried. They have good pitching. Like, sure, you're, you're, you're playing playoff teams. They're going to have some good pitchers, and Miami has that. But I guess it's just because we've played – just because the Brewers we, – we, we're, what, 3-10 and 10 against the Brewers? It would just – I don't know. Something about that. Demoralizing. But it would be demoralizing. It would be immoralizing. Uh, would, <laughs> would you rather lose – Say say you lose. I hate talking about losing. I hate talking about it. Mm. But I'm going to ask a question. Because you mentioned how you last night you'd rather lose 20 to 5 and never have a shot. And I know it was 20 to 9. But yeah. Rather lose like that than lose one nothing. Would you rather lose to Milwaukee 2-1 and one nothing, and just – feel like it was the close thing but you knew what to expect because that's what it always was or would you rather play a philadelphia say or or a, or a san francisco one of those and lose seven to five nine to seven and ten to six and the pitchers just get shelled but you score a lot of runs it's kind of fun but oh, you just were never really in it because the other teams just offensively scoring too much Man, that's tough. I think – oh, man. I know what I would pick. I All right, it, what's your pick, Casey? Haven't I'd heard pick, from you in a while. I'd pick the high scoring because at least that's showing yeah. that that's the team's identity. If they get shut out again in the playoffs, it's like, man, is this team actually really good at, like, anything? Like, is it just the facade? Is it just fake? That's how I'd feel. That's how a lot of people yeah. felt in 2020. I think I'd rather – I think I would rather lose like the high scoring. I think I'd rather lose the high scoring game. I, I just couldn't. The only reason I'm even asking this question, not to cut you off, but the only reason I'm even asking this question, because I look, I'm not going to sit here and do the glass half empty thing or, or be negative. It's just simply because of the potential of playing Milwaukee. I, I think we'd have to get over that. Well, I think there is something. I think like losing, there isn't like a one nothing loss. You feel worse. You just feel a million times worse after. I feel like, or especially like. Like, well, especially the Braves game when, like, in the playoffs, that game, like when they, we had so many chance, the, the amount of chances we had, even in the first inning, right? Those kind of losses, I feel like, stick with me more. And I guess it's just like every game's different, but a one nothing loss for me, like that game that coming out of the break, 
when on that Friday when we lost to Burns, like was, I think it was one nothing or maybe it was two nothing. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I know but what that you're that it felt like a one nothing game, but that was like that 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 loss hurt more. Like those losses hurt a little bit more for me. I don't know. It's just like when because it it was also just a terribly boring game. I mean, I, I love baseball as much as the next guy, but it was and they weren't competitive. Like it just wasn't no competitive at bats. So. Yeah, I'd probably rather lose like a 7-5 to five to the Phillies. Okay, let me ask you this. Casey and I have talked about this. We, we've talked about it on the air, but we haven't gotten your take on it. I see some people in the chat saying the Brewers will fade. Some people talking about the Cubs. You know, I, I think this is a, for all intents and purposes, three-team race. Zach, who do you think, yeah. sitting here on August 2nd, finishes second in the division? Uh, do the Cubs make a run? Do the Brewers fade? What happens? Well, I mean, I have to, you know, the chat will hold me to this. I said that I'd take the Brewers. I said I'd take the Brewers to win the division last week, if you guys remember. Oh, yeah. Which, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. I, I still just, there is something about the Brewers where it's like that pitching worries me. Because you have Burns, you have Peralta. It's deep, right? Woodruff's going to come back. Wade Miley is solid. Um, and then, you know, Hauser and Colin Ray have been perfectly serviceable fifth guys if you made me pick today i think i would give the brewers a slight again a very slight edge in the division over the reds i think we're coming down i think it'll come down to the wire i just think pretty clearly right now they have i think they have the best starting pitching um i think the back end of their bullpen is the best you know i i would take it over anybody else in the division yeah, their lineup's not great. They made some additions, but I don't know. I I would barely give the Brewers an edge. The Cubs are the Cubs are interesting because I agree. Like I think they're a little bit their their lineup's longer now. They got Candelario. They're they're pretty good. Bellinger is where where has this been the last four years? Yeah, I learned forgot how to hit. Now he's Barry Bonds. Um, I just don't. I'm not the especially the way Stroman's pitched. I don't. I'm not – their rotation to me isn't great. I know Steele's really good, but Stroman's been terrible. And outside of that, I don't know. Their bullpen's fine. It's They, they pitched okay. But something about the Cubs, and I know they, they kind of have the the run differential thing, which is, you know, maybe that evens out at some point and they end up, you know, they, they, were, they, went, they won eight in a row or whatever. But – I still think they're third. I would still put them third. I just, for whatever reason, I can't. Maybe, maybe it's a mental thing of the Brewers just dominating us. Maybe that's why I yep. can't get over it. Because they've been like, what, like 500 against everybody else except us and the Pirates? I just, for whatever reason, I can't get over that, Paul. And I just, I favor them ever so slightly, and I hate doing it. And I, I don't know. There's just something, something deep down that makes me think the Brewers are just going to edge us out. And I hate saying that, but that's just kind of, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. All right. We're so. getting close to the end of the show. And uh, I want to ask you, Casey, a, a Bengals question real quick here that I see in the chat. Mm. But before I do that, the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center. Supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. You can visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Also, Pawnee Water. Want to thank them for their sponsorship made right here behind me. 
in Hamilton, Ohio. Pawnee Water uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that we like to call the best tasting water in the world. You can visit their website at pawneewater.com. That's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com to see where you can buy it. I saw Chad Waits tweeted a thing out this morning that he was uh, drinking some potty water. So thank you to him. Thank you to everybody. Sir Boy Wonder bought a, bought a pack of potty water. Everybody's buying the potty water. Uh, drink your, or wait, get your coffee from UDF, bet with Brad Fred, drink potty water, and get your technology solutions from Encore. Uh, Casey, what is... First, first break the news, the breaking news. TJ Anton has... He's going back to Lowell? Okay. Yeah. Rehab stint? Rehab stint? Yep. All okay. right. Good. Good. Good on. All right. That's, Progress. That's good news. That's, All right. That's good news. All right. Uh, Casey, you have. What, what, what's going on here? Joe Burrow and Kirk Cousins. I did not see anything about this. So, what is this? So, there's been this graphic that's been circulating around the NFL world that has Joe Burrow's playoff stats on one side, Kirk Cousins' stats on the other. And it paints a picture that shows Kirk Cousins performing better statistically than Burrow in an equal amount of playoff games. Um, trying to tell the audience that's reading that graphic or anyone that's um, seeing it that Kirk Cousins is, you know, unfairly judged and that Joe Burrow's not as good as everyone makes him out to be. Uh, however, there, there's stats don't tell the full picture. They never have. Um, Kirk Cousins never advanced past the divisional round, um, meaning that he's played mainly wild card games, which are the teams that are barely making it in the playoffs most of the time. And he was losing those guys. Um, one year he beat a really good Saints team. Um, last minute. Uh, touchdown to Kyle Rudolph in the back of the end zone. Um, that was probably his most – that was probably his best performance in the playoffs. We'll put it like that. And yep. it wasn't really that great, right? He, he didn't wow you with anything. Um, it's just dumb because Burrow has, one, had a terrible offensive line in 2021 – and managed to just barely scrape by. I mean, the dude was sacked nine times in one game. Kirk Cousins gets sacked nine times in one game. He's getting blown out. That's not Joe Burrow, though. And Joe Burrow has always been just Joe Cool when it really matters most. When it comes down to crunch time, you know he's going to deliver. Last year, uh, it was the AFC Championship game where, you know, he's getting pressure from up the middle. And, you know, it, it just was very dumb. The graphic is very misleading. Um, Burrow is the better quarterback. Everyone would take Burrow over Kirk right. at any time, at any point. Um, and some people were put, uh, making some really good points before I got on this tangent, just saying, you know, the, the defense, you know, Kirk Cousins really hasn't had a good defense. And that's true, but partially because if you just look at the structure of his contract – I mean, he was taking up like $40, $45 million in cap space, and that can go to a really good defensive player. Um, you know, it's just some of those defensive stats, they don't also consider that Kirk Cousins turned the ball over or, you know, 
putting them in a, in a, a precarious situation. So don't always believe what the stats say. Right. Do some research first. Look at what happened within the game and then come back and have the conversation because I do think there is some merit to Kirk Cousins not having a good defense, but you don't just take Kirk Cousins over Joey Burrow. Well, maybe you take Geno Smith. <laughs> Geno Smith? Well, I don't know. This year, Geno Smith might be a top five quarterback. Mm. Top five? Whoa. Top five. You're jumping the gun here. Top five. Top five. I said it. That offense, man, Ooh. It's it could be very scary. Very, very scary. Wow. Um, I, I'm very high on the Seahawks. I know a lot of people aren't. But, man... They, they they just they've got an offense there, man, and I, I think they've done enough to improve their defense to be a solid team. I don't think it's a slam dunk that the 49ers win their their division because of the Seahawks. Oh okay. baby, okay. We got four days to unpack all this. Oh, I yeah. like this. We got four days to unpack this. Uh, Casey, let's run the cherry on top. <laughs> let's load that bad boy up. Let's Here let's load that bad boy up and let's run the cherry on top. Okay, so Casey's going to play this clip. This is outrageous. This is outrageous. Play the clip. The Somali government sent an athlete to represent their nation. I don't know what competition this is. Problem was that this sprinter has never run before. So we later find out that the athlete is actually the niece of Somalia's head of athletics federation. She, she's the one in blue. Well, the light I've, blue. you know what, Casey? I don't think it's going to be hard to figure out. <laughs> yeah. I just want the audience to know because I didn't know who we were talking well, about I, I, I think you'll be able to figure this one out pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? She's, she's not even in the picture. No, wait. They stay on the finish line. She's still not in the picture. <laughs> Wait. Still not in the picture. Oh, there, we there we go. There we go. She finished. That's. I mean. That's tough. That's tough. Not to be fair call. to her, that looked like me this morning. Paul, yeah. Where Where are you? Where are you lining? Oh, or, I'm not where, much. I'm not. Where are you finishing? Are you? Can you? Oh, dead last. I can't. Okay. I can't. Get, I got you, long gazelle legs, but I'm not. You beating her out? You think? Am I? Oh, I. <laughs> you think you're lapping her? Well, you know, that's tough. Long distance? I don't know. But in a, in a hundred? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I don't know, man. She seemed kind of fast. Casey. It's the sleeves. It was the sleeves. Bad choice. What, how fast would you run a 100-meter 100 100 dash? So slow. I, I mean, I, I think I might have gotten timed. What was your time in high school? We all got timed in high school. It was seven-something, maybe six or six-something. No, 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 no. 100-meter, not the 40. Oh, 100, I don't know. But I've done 40. 40? Yeah, I was seven. 40, you could run in five or six? Probably six. It'd be in the sixes now, probably. Yeah. I'm not fleet of foot. It's not It's not a skill. We did We did 40-yard dashes last year when we would finish setting up for Chatter, or for, uh, yeah, for game day. We'd go out and run a 40-yard dash. Would you remember? I, I think I, I, don't I think, think it I was ran. high fives. I don't think okay. I ran it. I think I was high fives somewhere in there. I pulled a muscle. Hmm. Look, I'm never going to sit here and <laughs> pretend that I'm the most athletic person in no. the world. I'm more Me athletic either. than a lot of people, but I'm less athletic than most people. We got to do a beer no, mile. We got to do a lot of things here at Chatterbox. Brother, I ate a bowl of Fruit Loops today and started throwing up. <laughs> yeah, we need a combo. I did one. I did 60. Yeah, we got to do combo. I did 60 seconds, 60 seconds on a bike and threw up. 
seconds. 60 seconds. That's how bad it is. You did 60 seconds full speed? Full threw speed. Up? Threw up. That's what we're working with here, Casey. Like, do we think, do we think, like, does Reed win a, does Reed win, like, a chatterbox combine going away? Do we think? Like, if there's, like, a chatterbox. Well, is it, like. Like, if we did, like, I don't know, like, we did a 40, we did, like, a vert, I don't know. Trace is sneaky athletic. Yeah. Trace is sneaky athletic. Trace Trace could do all the, all the, uh, I think he would clear all the jumping drills and probably the running drills. Okay. But it's the it's the bench. The bench. I don't know. Oh. Reed, Reed, I think Scott, most of us by a, a lot. By a lot. Okay, so now somebody points out in the chat, PB's Ghost says that that girl who ran in that race was a shot put athlete, and they ran her to give her team points rather than no points because they lost their participant due to injury. Now, if okay. that's the case, okay. all right. Yeah. But the tweet made it seem very corrupt. Yeah. The tweet that was attached with it, which is quite literally the only context I had for that race, and I wasn't really interested in looking into a whole lot more, that was all we got. Now, if she's doing that, that's fine. Because that happens every once in a while. Sure. Like, if, if you're in, a, if you're in a, a swimming and diving, sometimes you'll see if a, a team doesn't have a diving team, they'll send somebody out there literally just to go dive into the pool to get the points to qualify. Yeah, I mean, it's still, regardless, tough, tough visual. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> still chat, bad. Chat's having some fun here. Regardless, chat's having some fun with chat, cardio if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Chat, chat is having some fun with some cardio. I'm not going to read these. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Reed probably would win. Yeah. I'm trying to think of. of well, their, the, their RAS scores would be through the roof, right? Ooh. The I don't RAS give scores? a damn about no RAS scores. I don't Casey? care about it. <laughs> Come on. That's right. I don't care about it. Uh, anything else? Anything else before we get out of here? We got. 120 seconds left. Zach, Zach, I want to thank you. Thank you. I yeah, want to thank, thank you, you for coming up here to Absolutely. Hamilton. Great I don't know time. what else you would have been doing today. Uh, contrary to Elliot, I don't have a bad word to say about Hamilton. I like this. I like this city. It's, it's come, I get cozy in Hamilton. Nothing wrong with Hamilton. You come live in Hamilton? Uh, yeah. Eh. Nah. Uh, work is work is work will suffice. You know, work <laughs> is work work is good. All right. we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Zach, you did an outstanding job today. Thank, Thank you very much for coming up here and, uh, Thanks, and and helping us do this. We were talking about getting some guests on and stuff. I said, you know what, Elliot, let's see if Zach can come up here and have a little conversation. So, again, we will, we will have Jay Morrison is on the show tomorrow at 1030 to talk Bengals. Good to see Joe back uh, – or uh, Jay, rather, back yeah. um, working again and, and everything that, that that all worked out for him. So, Jay will be on at 1030. 1130, of course, Mr. 2-9, the Tracer. Uh, so we will have you covered with interviews. It'll just be Trace, uh, Casey and I in the studio tomorrow. Everybody else, everybody else is on vacation. Well, I guess Elliot's, Elliot's working. Elliot's working hard, making us money. That's Elliot's making cool. us money. Uh, but tomorrow should be a great conversation. Then Friday, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Tuesday, Elliot will be back, and uh, we'll rock with the three of us. All right, everybody. This has been Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Thank you so much for listening. See what happens with the Reds tonight. Two games left up there in Chicago. Elliot and Reed are at the game. They are at Wrigley Field. So if you follow us on Seabox Sports on Twitter, I'm sure they'll have some content and everything else. But, Zach, thanks again. Thank, thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. We'll do this again sometime. We, we need to. We All need right. to. All right. Thanks for watching, everybody. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you tomorrow at 10A.